Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to Tech Stuff. This is Jonathan Strickland, senior writer for HowStuffWorks.com. Now, normally you'd be hearing Chris Paulette's voice during this intro, but we're having a bit of a snow event in Atlanta, the snow, snow apocalypse. We've called it Hothlanta. So Chris is safely at home between uh, uh, us and he is a glacier. So instead, in the studio, I have as a special treat, special guest co-host, Matt Frederick of Coolest Stuff on the Planet. Hey, guys. Um, I'm just going to be quiet and let Jonathan talk for most of this podcast. If you want to say anything or you want me to have an opinion on something, if you could just email Jonathan as we're recording this, and then he'll get that, he'll get that, and then I'll talk. Right. So for those of you who are able to send email messages back in time... Send it to techstuff at howstuffworks.com, and we'll make sure that Matt asks the deep, probing questions. I got you covered. So, what are we covering today? Well, today we're going to talk about my recent visit to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, Nevada for 2011. You know, there are a lot of people jealous of you that you got to go to this. Yeah, there. I get that a lot. I get every time I talk about going to CES... I have people write in and they say, I really wish I could go. I really want to go. Uh, guys, um, it's a show. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an electronic show. It's a conference in order to show the latest and greatest technology. And in a way that sounds really cool. But when you dive down into it, it quickly becomes both overwhelming and exhausting. Yeah. At any point, are you walking around just going, I really wish I didn't have to be here for my job? Yeah, actually, that's, I mean, I love my job. Of course. Uh, but yes, there are times when I'm walking around the show floor and I'm thinking, you know, if I didn't have any responsibilities, like if I didn't have to actually go into all these different booths and look at the next eight things that look exactly like the last eight things I saw, um, then I could just hit whatever interests me. And uh, once I was done, I could go and hang out with all the cool people, and then that would be it. And I'd go to parties, and it'd be fun. When you're covering it as a job, it's a totally different experience. Uh, CES has around 1.5 million square feet of floor space to cover. Wow. Yeah, it... Uh, and you can tell from my voice that I'm I'm getting over the convention crud. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to clear my throat. Hold on one moment. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> Juicy. So, yeah, there's like 1.5 million square feet of, of area to cover, and there are hundreds of exhibitors. There are hundreds of thousands of people there, it feels like. Uh, this year was supposedly the biggest year uh, ever for CES. It was definitely more heavily attended than the last two years that I've gone. Um, it, was, it was difficult to get around on the floor, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's exhausting. And so here's what here's what my typical day at CES was like. Uh, all right, I, I arrived there on the Tuesday of the show, which is uh, two days before the show floor opens. The only thing really going on is a preview event that night. So I I landed in Vegas, went to my hotel, which was the Sahara Hotel and Casino. Ooh. Yes, on the monorail line. It's an old school Rat Pack style casino. So uh, you know. I, I got my my little uh, groovy 
uh, attitude going early on. So I set, checked in, dropped my stuff off, went to the preview event. Preview event had some pretty cool stuff in it, things on the show floor that you might miss because they're not the big flashy things that take, take up a lot of floor space. Uh, at the CES floor, if you were to walk into one of the main show floors at the conference center, because uh, it, it takes place at the Las Vegas Convention Center, the Venetian Sands uh, Expo Center, um, also the Renaissance Hotel, the Hilton. Uh, there are several hotels that have, yeah, like they, they have suites set aside just for all the audio equipment. Because if you want to listen to these stereo systems, you need to go someplace that's secluded from all the other sound. You can't get that on the show floor. At the show floor, the sound systems you'd see are the big car sound systems, the ones that are meant to shake the buildings as you drive by them. So, um, yeah, I went to this preview event, saw a lot of cool little things. We'll talk about some of them in a minute uh, that, that really I thought were interesting uses of technology. And again, this is the quirky stuff that often you would just pass right by because you're going to the next big TV. Right? I got you. Then uh, Tuesday night I go to bed early because uh, I'm, of course, from Atlanta and Las Vegas is on Pacific time. That's a three-hour time difference. So it's three hours earlier over there, which means I woke up at 4 a.m. Uh, got oh. up at 4. Um, show floor or uh, the press event didn't start until 9 a.m. So I took my time, made my way over to the convention center and went to the press day. Now, press day is back-to-back press conferences from some of the major manufacturers. So we're talking about companies like Panasonic, Pioneer, Sony, Sharp, Samsung, Intel. These are the big, big companies, and, and these events are kind of their way of of giving you a taste of what you're going to find in their, their booths. And then the goal is to get you to go to the booth to get more detail about the products. So they're going to show you the best of the best. They usually save the showstopper for the very end, and often they'll only give you... Oh, 30 seconds of information Just about glance. it. Oh, yeah. Look over like, here. This year, it was all about, and we're also doing a tablet. All right, we'll see you at the booth. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Those are essentially, in fact, um, specifically, Sharp did that. Sharp's press event, they show all these gorgeous TVs with their Quattro system. That's the one that has the four colors. You know, the they, they add yellow to the red, green, Somehow and blue. Somehow or another, okay. <laughs> yes. So it's supposed to make it more vibrant. But at the end of it, the very end, maybe a minute was you, was taken to cover it. They introduced their tablet called Galapagos. Ooh. Yeah. It was Darwin-esque. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. But that was about all we saw was it, it's the Galapagos. Okay, so we'll see you at our booth. And, yeah. Like, wait, what? Was the tagline, it's evolutionary. It, it should be. That would be excellent. I don't know. Are you working for Sharp? Because you <clears> could. What? No. Anyway, so after a full day of press events, the final one was Sony. And uh, I loved Sony's press event because they fed me. Um, I had gone all day without really eating anything, and they gave me lots of food. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Bribing with food always works. The They also showed off the Green Hornet in 3D. Uh, not the full movie, but the preview. And then uh, introduced Seth Rogen and Jay Chow. Well, there you go. Yeah, who came out wearing 3D glasses, and then they did some tortured comedy. Uh, by the way, this is just a, a note to all of you people who are planning press conferences for CES. From the press perspective, what we want is we want to see the technology, we want to hear the specs, and that's it. If you doing the tortured comedy routine where you've pre-recorded or pre-pre-rehearsed some comedic jabs between like the CEO and the CTO. That that just doesn't work, people. You might get an uncomfortable chuckle, 
But for the most part, the press, we're not supposed to react, right? We're not supposed to applaud. We're not supposed to laugh. The fourth wall is there. Right. We are supposed to observe and objectively report. So if you're doing a press event... Just give us the details. Show it. Let let the technology speak for itself. And if you made a good product, then you're going to get a great write up on your press event. But if you spend time doing these corny jokes and stuff, kind of the way I do my podcast, um, you're going to get some. You're going to get some snarky comments. Uh, I, I reserved mine snarky comments uh, to aim directly at the other reporters who were at the show because they were the ones who were elbowing me out of the way in order to get to the free food. Yeah, I'm not happy about those. So then on the third day, that's when the show floor finally opens. This is technically day one of CES. I've been there three days now. Day one of CES started uh, at, well, for the first show day, started at 10 a.m. That's when the show floor opened. That's when I hit the Central Hall, which is where a lot of the big uh, companies like Sony and Panasonic um, have their booths. When you hit that show floor, it's enormous. It's like a, 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 the biggest warehouse you've ever been in, and it's full of booths that are just chock full of, of gadgets, accessories, all the uh, computers, all that kind of thing. And um, you are overwhelmed with lights and sound and crowds and booth babes, and it's just a weird situation to be in. Um, if you're there for fun. That I'm sure it's a blast when you have to go f- booth by booth and cover everything. I, I liken it to going to a shopping mall, and it's your job to go into every store in the shopping mall and write down what they sell. Oh gosh! Yeah, after three stores, you you just you you're like this. This doesn't even sound like fun anymore. Like it, I can't <sighs> even imagine fun being used to describe this. Yeah, except all the stores are beeping at you. Yeah. And showing a little cleavage, maybe? Y- yes, yes. The Ed Hardy booth in particular was known for that. I actually went by the Ed Hardy booth when the booth babes were on break. I thought that they had decided not to do booth babes this year. And I was thinking, wow, they're really going to stand by their product. And that's all they're going. They don't, they're not going to try and uh, entice people in with booth babes. Turned out I was just there at the wrong time. Uh, <laughs> here's my opinion about booth babes. Um, ladies, you are gorgeous. Uh, you all seem to be very well briefed on the material that you you are uh, you have to cover for whatever booth you work in. I appreciate that, but I have to say I really wish that uh, companies wouldn't use booth babes because it tends to clog up the traffic patterns around the booths. Because <laughs> there are too many guys who are trying to take photos and video of these women, and they're they're not even interested. They have no interest at all in whatever technology is being sold in that booth or being, being shown off in the booth. They just want to get photo of this really cute girl in this really skimpy outfit chatting with them. And um, I guess they know their audience. Uh, probably so. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to criticize because my audience is the best audience in the world. Uh, but to me that, again, it feels, it feels creepy, right? That you're using, you're essentially using sex to entice people to come into your booth. And, uh, I would rather see companies, again, stand by their products to entice people to come into their booths. And a lot of the big booths, they don't use booth babes at all because they don't need to. You know, they, they stand by their name. So companies like Microsoft, Intel, Sony, these big, big companies, mm-hmm. they don't have booth babes. Um, th- you know, to them, their technology, that's the booth babe. Now right? I've got an image of a Microsoft booth babe in my head, and it's very strange. And she's just holding up a blue screen of death? <laughs> yeah. 
<clears throat> I love you, Microsoft. No, I really respect the fact. But then, again, you could argue, well, these companies don't need it because they've got the reputations. The smaller companies that don't necessarily have that may need an edge in order to mm-hmm. get you into the booth. But again, to me, it just seemed like that didn't really pull people into the booth so much as it made them stop in the aisle, which meant that it made it harder for me to get to the next place to go. So let's talk about some of the big themes that actually there. That was sort of the personal experience of what it's like to be there. By the end of the day, you're exhausted. I was invited to parties every single night. I didn't make it to any of them. Not one? No, I was too tired. Uh, I would I would get back to my room and I would think, all right, I just need to drop my stuff off. And then if I turn around and walk right back out then I can go to the party. But no, I would sit down, and that was game over. The only exception to that was the second night, so that would be Friday night. I did go out. I didn't go to a party, but I went to a gathering with some friends. So I met up with Tom Merritt of uh, This Week in Tech fame, and Aya Zaktar, who is uh, this old nerd, and um, uh, a whole bunch of other people. The G-Men showed up. Awesome. Uh, the uh, Brian Brushwood, magician extraordinaire and scam school artist, he was there. Um, uh, one of Wired's sexiest geeks of 2010 showed up. Whoa. Yeah, I can't really talk about that other than the fact that she was there. She also accidentally brushed my knee. So, Ooh. yeah, and I, I tried to leverage that into fame. Tom Merritt also leverages it into fame, so I, I don't feel so badly about that. I heard a little something about that. Anyway, yeah, we all hung out and we we chatted and had a good time. We really kind of talked about the show experience. That was the only late night thing I did, and I actually went really late. Uh, other than that, I just I had no I, I had no oomph. So it it is really exhausting, guys. It's not as much fun as you might think uh, if you're covering it. I mean, I guess if you're just attending and you just hit the things you want, it's a blast. So let's talk about some of the stuff I saw. <clears throat> First of all, the themes. Um, just like last year, the Two of the big themes were tablets and 3D TV. Uh, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing some sort of tablet device and some sort of 3D TV uh, being shown. And so uh, companies like Sony uh, were showing off prototype 3D TVs that didn't use glasses. So that's it was cool. lenticular displays. Yeah, that's, it's a pretty neat technology. The biggest problem with lenticular displays, in my experience, is that the the Viewing angle gets divided up into several slices of pie, okay? Think of the TV as the center of a pie, and then the slices extend outward. Now, if you are in the middle of one of those slices, you've got the ideal TV viewing experience. But if you straddle a slice, like a line, then the two images are no longer together. You're getting this blurry double image thing, which is really disorienting when you're not wearing glasses. I'll give you a headache and a heartbeat if you if you stare at it for too long. Uh, so that means that you know you have to position your furniture just right in order to watch television without glasses. That's um, pretty funny. Yeah, because <clears throat> if you, you know, like if you scoot over on the couch, you're like, oh crap, I can't see what's going on anymore. You have to scoot back. Um, but still, those were in the prototype stage, so they'll get better. Uh, the the 3D with glasses was great across the board and we saw i mean i saw everything i saw 3d with passive glasses uh, that's with the polarized lenses i saw 3d with active shutter lenses those are the powered glasses that are synchronized with your television um, oh, i've never even heard of that you have to tell me more about that later all right well i'll give you a quick just a quick explanation so active shutter glasses they have these uh, lcd shutters in them that uh that go on and off so fast that your eye can't really track it okay so they're they're moving uh, in sync with the TV that's showing two sets of images alternating back and forth. 
So one lens only shows you one set of images, the other lens shows you the other set of images, and they alternate, and then your brain takes the two sets of images and combines it into a 3D picture. Tablets and 3D were two big themes. Another one was uh, uh, internet television. Again, this was another year for that. And also this idea of being able to port your experience from one platform to another. And by that I mean, let's say that you're playing an app on your smartphone, and then you move over to a tablet. Well, some of these companies are offering up products where you would be able to to pick up the tablet and continue that activity on the tablet uninterrupted from what you were doing on the smartphone. Then let's say you're moving from the tablet to a PC, same thing, or PC to your television, same thing. So this idea of an ecosystem where uh, all your apps can exist and you can just uh, go from one experience to another. And it's kind of this idea of ubiquitous computing that we've heard about for years. We're starting to see it now. Now, the biggest problem with this is that the systems developed by one company don't necessarily work with the systems developed by another company. So if you like your televisions from company A, but you like your computers from company B, you may find that you can't take advantage of this ecosystem. seems like hopefully some kind of third-party system or some kind of standardization will occur pretty soon. I would imagine that down the road that would happen, but you know, it, it's like any kind of new technology. You're going to see competing... Uh, well, you can't call them standards, but competing approaches sure. come out. So those were the big themes, the, that whole connectivity, portability of your experience, internet, television, 3D, tablets, that kind of thing. So let's talk about some of the stuff I actually saw while I was there. Uh, besides the, the 3D televisions, which were everywhere, and everyone had really amazing ones. Everyone, by the way, is the leader in 3D TV. Everyone? Everyone. Yeah, because that's how they would start their press event. Like, well, we've been leading in the 3D TV space. And it, you know, <laughs> so insert company name here has been leading in the 3D TV space. Um, so I thought I'd talk about some of the quirkier stuff. For example, one of the people who showed up on the show floor was Lady Gaga. That's puzzling. Yeah. She uh, was there to because she, she works with Polaroid. She designs products for Polaroid. Uh, at least uh, aesthetic designs. Oh, okay. And one of the things she showed off was a pair of glasses with a camera built in. Okay. Yeah, and it would show you the the picture you would take. You take a photo, it would show the picture within your lens so you could review it. Uh, That's pretty cool. It turns you into the paparazzi. Oh my god! I, it was either that or bad romance, dude. I gotta go. I mean, yeah, oh. I'm a, I belong to the house of Gaga. I don't know what I can tell you. <laughs> my wife, crazy. my wife bought some of those headphones that she put out. Oh yeah, that were the fifty dollars more than they should have been. <laughs> the the triangle shaped ones. Yeah. Those did not look comfortable to me. They aren't. I okay. Tried them. All right. That's that's fair. Um, but yeah, she she showed that off. That was one of the quirky things we saw. Uh, there was the Smartfish Engage Intelligent Keyboard. That's a lot of words. It was a keyboard that could uh, change shape, and the reason for it is to maintain uh, ergonomics. So uh, when you're typing on a normal keyboard, your wrist tends to stay still for a really long time. And even if it's ergonomically designed, that can hurt your wrist. So the idea behind this keyboard is it would change shape. It had little motors in it. It would change shape so that your hands would not and wrists would not stay in the same position the entire time. Now, it didn't constantly change shape because that would feel really weird. It's like the hula chair of keyboards. Yes, exactly. But it, that was kind of a neat idea. 
Uh, let's see. What else? Were, oh, there was the Body Media Fit device. I love this thing. It looks kind of like a watch, but you wear it around your arm, your upper arm, and it helps you determine how many calories you burn throughout the day. It also monitors your sleep uh, patterns, so you're wearing this all the time. Oh, Essentially, wow. you take it off when you go take a shower, and that's about it. Um, and it had an online component that would help guide you to learn things like, you know, what kind of food you should eat and how how much more exercise you need in order to balance out your activities and, and lose weight. According to one of the uh, the reps, it's 90% more effective than just diet or exercise by yourself because it helps you. It actually guides you into what you are doing and gives you more information. Oh, man. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and they had a really fun uh, promo for that. One of the guys from the company wore it and then ran around Vegas doing crazy stuff like skydiving to find out how many calories you burn when you're doing that sort of oh, stuff. that's cool. Yeah, that was pretty neat. Another th- cool thing I saw was uh, Corning's booth. Corning is uh, the producer of Gorilla Glass. That's the glass that um, is really good at, at scratch resistance and impact resistance. It's being used in a lot of electronics now. So a lot of smartphones, tablets, even TVs are using Gorilla Glass to protect the electronics. And they had a really effective demonstration where they showed how much weight the Gorilla Glass could withstand, and it was pretty impressive. Um they also talked to me about the manufacturing process, which was absolutely fascinating. So I hope to do a full episode on Gorilla Glass in the future, just because it sounds so cool. Yeah, I can't wait for that. It's it's pretty neat. Oh, uh, one of my favorite products, and I wrote about this in the blogs, was the Celestron Sky Prodigy Telescope. And it was sort of a new approach for amateur astronomers to really dive into astronomy. So one of the things that's a challenge in astronomy, if, you, if you're brand new to it, you just bought your first telescope, is you don't necessarily know where everything is, right? You look up at the sky and you're like, well, there's obviously a lot of beautiful stuff up there, but you know, what do I point my telescope at? Sure. So the Sky Prodigy, what it does, it has a digital camera that's mounted on the telescope. It's pointed in the same direction as the lens, okay? You push a button when you set up your telescope and it'll automatically align itself to a random part of the sky, take a photo, it does that two more times triangulates your position based upon the photos that were taken because it'll it'll be able to figure out where it is and where everything in the sky is in relation to you. Then you tell it what you want to look at. So say you want to look at Saturn. You t- you, you type in on the, the little number pad that you want to look at Saturn. It'll align itself to point at Saturn, and you can look at Saturn's rings. Wow. It was a cool approach, and the thing I liked about it was that they decided to go with the digital camera as opposed to a GPS receiver, gyroscopes, um, accelerometer, and compass to keep the price down. Because all they used was a digital camera and everything else was run on the software end, not on the hardware end. Wow. So, Can you actually get an output from these photos or is it just for the photos? The photos, as far as I know, were just to align the telescope. It wasn't, you know, the, the digital camera wasn't so, like, it wasn't designed to take deep space photography. You don't have the Hubble sitting there on your <laughs> tripod. But um, the idea that you could use this to, to stargaze was pretty cool. Uh, the in-power adjustable reading glasses. Okay. <laughs> Um, hit me. What is it? They're reading glasses that have a focus ability in them. the the oh. frames The frames contract. They actually change the 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 way that the lenses bend, so you can focus your lenses. I wonder what what did. Do you know what they're made out of? 
uh, they're made out of gorilla glass. No, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that would make sense. I don't know. I saw that. I saw that demonstrated by Natalie Morris of CNET. I didn't get a chance to get a hands-on with that myself, but it was pretty cool. Um, oh, the Razor Switchblade, Matt. You're gonna like this. I don't like violence. No, no. It's a gaming device. It's a handheld gaming computer. The keys are all. Uh, programmable and are and will and they're each a little screen so that you can have specific gaming layouts depending on the game you're playing so it has a keyboard yeah it's a keyboard it's a little handheld uh like think netbook but smaller oh wow okay yeah but let's say you want to play world of warcraft it will give you a customized world of warcraft keyboard for your experience or let's say you want to play quake or you want to play some other first-person shooter or a third-person shooter. It'll give you a keyboard that is uh, designed specifically for that game. Oh, man. It's pretty cool. Does it have any kind of mouse, or you just plug a mouse into it, I guess? Or I, You know, I didn't get a hands-on on that one because it, it was one of those things where I got to see it just for a second, and then... Jonathan, I need to know. <sighs> well, that's why I'm telling you about it, so you can go and look into it. <laughs> All right. Um, Motorola had a couple of really cool devices. The Zoom XOOM tablet, which is running Android 3.0 Honeycomb, or will be when it launches. Uh, that looked really impressive, although um, the first time I picked it up, I wasn't supposed to. So the, the representative got very mad at me. The second time, I was invited to pick it up, and uh, it was about a pound and a half. So it felt it felt um, sturdy. Yeah. 10-inch uh, screen. Beautiful device. I can't wait to see really what it can do once we get closer to launch, once uh, Honeycomb is really fully baked. Bake that Honeycomb. Google. <laughs> uh, the Motorola Atrix, it's a smartphone that uh, can actually power a laptop-like device. It's actually a dock. So you plug the smartphone in, and the processing power all comes from the smartphone. So you can type, you can access your, uh, your uh, smartphone apps through a laptop interface. When you unplug the phone... It actually carries all the data with it, so the laptop does not hold any data. You can, if someone steals the laptop, they're not going to get your information. It's uh, all stored on the phone. Um, and that phone, I mean, it was snappy. It looked nice. It was running uh, really, really fast. You know, it's got a dual-core processor in it. And it really? Actually, yeah, dual-core processor for a phone. We're starting to see those now. Wow. We're, we're still not really seeing a lot of applications that take full advantage of it, but they are coming out. Let's see. Uh, Intel is got this. They they introduced their Sandy Bridge processor, which has graphics processing built into it. Meanwhile, Nvidia is introducing CPUs, so we're seeing uh, the CPU companies get involved in graphics processing. We're seeing the graphics cards getting involved in CPUs, so they're going to be going toe to toe in 2011. It'll be pretty exciting. You're just going to have a computer and a chip now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's already got in onboard memory. <clears throat> yep. Right. <laughs> You're good yep. to go. You're good. And go. Uh, I saw MakerBot's Thing-O-Matic, which is a 3D printer. Uh, prints 3D objects. That was really right. cool. I got to watch it. In, I got to watch that go, and it was that was really cool. It would uh, print line by line of plastic, and uh, you would end up with your object. So, um, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, they had, they had bracelets that they were giving away. <laughs> I did not pick one up. Let's see the InPower Peg Kinetic Charger. This looked kind of like um, well, it kind of looked like a rod. Okay. And you hold it a certain way, and you carry it with you when you're like hiking or or uh, you know doing power walking, something like that. And it actually 
can build up a charge so that you can charge your electronic devices just based on the kinetic movement. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? I'm looking at my list here of cool stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, the Microsoft Surface got an update. Now every single pixel is a camera. <sighs> yeah, the pixels uh, that you see on the Surface are all cameras. They're all able to scan. So let's say that you take a piece of paper and you've written something on it. You can put that face down on the surface and it can scan it. And you've got a scanned copy of your piece of paper. Uh, with text recognition, it can actually recognize what you've written. Wow. Yeah. Talk about the smartest copier in the world. You know? Seriously. You, you get into a point where your copier can spell check your, pro, your, your, your copy. I, I imagine I can see Google buying like 10 of those to help out with the Google Books project and just laying books on top of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, and, and the Surface, despite the fact that the Surface was being shown at the uh, keynote for the Consumer Electronics Show, it is not a consumer product. No. This is something that you'll see in retail stores, things like that, but not in people's homes, unless you're Bill Gates, in which case it's probably there. Uh, I saw people getting tased. That was exciting. <laughs> for fun? Kind of. It was at the taser booth. Okay. They were showing how effective the taser was by tasing people. I don't know if the people who were volunteering were actual volunteers or plants. If they were actual volunteers. Dude, what are you thinking? I can imagine somebody going to CES just like, oh yeah, I'm going to get tased. And I'm going to yell, don't tase me, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I think when I go to CES. I think, God, you know what I'm looking forward to? Getting tased. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the rundown. I got to play with the Blackberry playbook, which was, um, you know, until CES was pretty much behind glass for journalists. So that was kind of fun. And that was also a really snappy tablet. I, I think that's a really compelling product. Um, what else did I play with? Uh, there were Lenovo came back with its U1, except it's not called that anymore. That's the notebook computer slash tablet device where you detach the screen and it becomes a tablet. Um, it's, you were excited about that one, weren't you? Oh, no, that was my favorite from CES 2010. Uh, in 2011, the biggest change is that instead of running Linux on the tablet, it's now going to run Android 3.0. They didn't have a launch date. They said that that will fully depend upon when Google comes out with Honeycomb uh, for, for uh, tablets, but that um, it should be uh, coming out sometime this year, so... Um, it runs Windows 7 when it's in notebook form and Android 3.0 when it's in tablet form. And I can't wait to play with that some more. I got to hold it this time because um, there was a guy showing on camera how the device worked and he needed somebody. He needed an extra set of hands, so he grabbed me. So I was in the right place at the right time. I got to play with it. Um, so that was really cool. The, uh, the oh Gosh, what else? So much stuff. Really, I have to say that for me, the best part, and was kind of talking the tech over with some of my peers, um, chatting with them about the technology and getting their perspectives really help. It's really helpful because, you know, when you go in, you have your own personal bias no matter what. Sure. Uh, it's not until you actually can sit down with other people and talk to them about their experiences before you really see what's going on. So I was excited. Uh, it seemed like a very optimistic year this year. The economic downturn stuff seems to be behind us. Uh, there were way more people than had been there in years past. And uh, I I think the general feeling, at least from the the 
buzz I was getting on the floor is that 2011 is going to be huge. Like it's just going to be a, a breakthrough year as far as electronics goes and uh, and the and the market in in general. Nice, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, and I, I th- I'm really curious to see if in 2012, if we're just going to get yet another iteration of what we saw this year. Because again, a lot of the big themes were carryovers from last year or two years ago, even. Just expansions so, on those ideas. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I'm curious to see if 2012 will be the same or if we'll have some brand new. I think the ecosystem idea, the idea of being able to port your experiences between different platforms in a sort of seamless way, I think that'll be even bigger in 2012. Like if 3D and tablets are anything to judge by where, you know, you started seeing them about two or three years ago and then each year it's gotten bigger. I think if that's an indication, then we should see more of that in 2012. Well, that sums it up. I've got a whole bunch of blog posts about this, so if you want to go to the How Stuff Works blogs, you can read up all about my experiences at CES. Uh, you can watch the tech news today I was on, which was uh, the twit.tv. Um, they keep all of their their old um, archived episodes, so tech news today, do a search on it. Uh, look for CES. Let's see. Gosh, what day was that? I'm going to say it's Thursday. I want to say Thursday. <laughs> I want to say Thursday that I showed up on, on Tech News today. And uh, so look for the Thursday episode during CES. Um, I can't even tell you what day that is anymore because my brain is scrambled. Oh, oh, Jonathan, it looks like we have some some questions that have come in. <clears throat> oh, please. Emails please hit me with sending. the questions. We'll finish up with those. Thanks for those, guys. Thanks for sending in your questions. Um, what kind of shoes did you wear at CES? <clears throat> Hang on one second. Uh, let's see. I was wearing um, these right here. Oh, those are good shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. We don't do a video podcast, do we? No, um, no. <laughs> I, was, I was wearing like uh, mall walker type shoes. They, they, these are loafers without, you know, they don't have any uh, laces. Makes it easy to take them on and off at the airport. Um, good shoe support. Yeah. I felt, <laughs> I felt that they supported me well. Well, that was kind of a strange question. I, I don't know why they were wondering about that. All right. I get, think they're worried about your well-being. Your, your I appreciate that. Of your you soul. listeners are great. Uh, what what was the best food you ate at? CES? Oh my god, best food! All right, I didn't eat lunch any of the days. Um, press does get free lunch if you bring your little coupon, but it is a madhouse to get those free lunches. So I skipped it. But at dinner, uh, I went to a place called um, the House of Lords. It's in the Sahara Casino, actually. I did not expect it to be this good. It's an old-school steakhouse. So in other words, you go in, and all the booths have that half booth where you all sit on one side of the table. Oh, yeah. Um, I had Pacific Shark, which was topped with salmon, shrimp, and artichoke hearts with a sauce over top, served with a loaded baked potato with sour cream, chives, and butter. And uh, grilled vegetables, and it was phenomenal. Nice. Yeah, really, really good. Um, now, the best meal I've ever had at, at CES was actually last year at the Aria, but I didn't make it down to the Aria this year. So, but this was still good, and it was you know reasonably priced for Vegas. Well, I, again, these are strange questions. I don't know what this has to do with yeah, it's the fine. technology it's fine. side. We've, we've got some crazy listeners. Uh, oh, here's the last one. This is the last one. All right. What was your caffeine source of choice? Uh, coffee. Starbucks brand coffee. That's what they served in the press room. And fortunately, there was always coffee available. Uh, I hit the coffee. Uh, all right. On days, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I hit coffee a lot. On Friday and Saturday, 
I switched to uh, mint tea. Can you guess why? (laughs) (laughs) If you've been listening closely to this episode, you sure do. (laughs) All right. Well, that, that, I think that wraps up our discussion. I would like to thank Mr. Matt Frederick for joining me on this. Thank Um, you for having me. Everyone, please send your warmest thoughts out to Chris Paulette, who is currently behind ice. I can't, Uh, I can't fill these shoes. Please come back, Chris. No, he'll, he'll be back. He'll be back for the next episode. We just had to, I had to record one today. And he could not be here. I actually, technically, he was going to try and be here, and I told him to stay home because I knew how bad the roads were between his house and and how stuff works. And it's just, you know, I would hate to think that he got into a wreck just to come in and do do an and ask me silly questions. Yeah, you know. So, Matt, you did an awesome job. Thank you so much. If you guys aren't listening and watching coolest stuff on the planet, check it out. It's one of our other podcasts here at HowStuffWorks.com. You can see more of Matt's work that way. He also does some work on other shows uh, in, in, a, in a production capacity. Yeah. He's uh, one of our producers extraordinaire. So uh, he happened to be one of the foolish mortals who made their way into the office today despite the icy roads, so I grabbed him. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to check us out on Twitter and Facebook, remember our handle there is TechStuffHSW, and you can shoot me an email. That email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. We'll be back really soon, and I promise I'll stop coughing. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?